Soundprints Audio Magazine, a production of the Kentucky Council of the Blind. Soundprints is underwritten by the American Printing House for the Blind and the Louisville Downtown Lions Club. I'm Carla Rushevel. I'm your host for this week's magazine. This is Soundprints for the week of September 25, 2016. Some of you will recognize the names Marty Mills, a retired teacher from the Kentucky School for the Blind, and H.D. Wilson, retired director of the Charles McDowell Center with the Kentucky Office for the Blind and former O&M instructor. Marty and H.D. are members of the Middletown Lions Club. This past Wednesday, Marty Mills brought a donation to the Greater Louisville Council of the Blind in the form of a Juliet Pro 60 Braille embosser. We are elated to receive this wonderful gift, as we will now be able to produce quick braille each week at roundabout. For example, we can create personalized practice pages for the braille group, update family group sheets for those working on genealogy, produce copies of instructions and reminders for tech questions about iPhones, braille notes, and other technology. When we share tips, patterns and craft ideas, websites and phone numbers, lists of apps, etc., we can send hard copy braille reminders and notes home with those who would like them. A huge thanks to the Middletown Lions for adding a whole new dimension to Roundabout. We received a call from Chris Brooks this week letting us know that William Wolfe passed away recently. William was a student at KSB in the 1990s and we promised Chris that we would pass the information along to those of you who knew William. Ray and Karen Campbell paid a visit to Louisville the first weekend in September. The Campbells are from Chicago. Ray is secretary of the American Council of the Blind, and Karen is chair of the ACB Sight and Sound, or SASE, committee. They dropped in to Roundabout on Friday, September 2, and you'll hear their remarks to the discussion time on page 2. Dr. Craig Metter is president of the American Printing House for the Blind. He assumed that position on January 1 of this year when longtime friend of the blind, Dr. Tuck Tinsley III, retired after many years of service to the Printing House. Some of you will recall that Craig spoke at the Friday evening session of the 2015 Kentucky Council of the Blind Convention, helping us celebrate our 50 golden years. Now, on page 3, we bring you an interview with Craig Metter, recorded on Tuesday, September 20. He reviews his first months as APH president and looks ahead to the future. The September 23 roundabout was very busy. It included the usual Braille lessons, iPhone tips and individualized instruction, and a spaghetti dinner and Klondike ice cream bars for dessert. The weather was hot, right at 90 degrees at 7 p.m., so Bill Dethridge, president of the Guide Dog Users of Kentucky, postponed the GDUKY walk due to sunshine. 
After dinner, we had two tables of spades and one of euchre, and three people began learning loom knitting. Our discussion time, just before dinner, was a recipe exchange, and a wide variety of easy tips, ideas, and recipes were shared. Of the approximately 15 recipes, we've chosen five to share with you on page four. Thanks again to our new donation from the Middletown Club, we were able to produce braille copies of Deb Lewis's Turkey Pot Pie, Carol Schaff's Crispy Chicken Strips, and Charlotte Kelly's Microwave Fudge for everyone wishing a copy to take home. And on page 5 is the Soundprints calendar. Page 2. We're going to get started here. We have a real treat this evening. Uh, we have Ray and Carol, Karen Campbell in. Uh, they're visiting Natalie, uh, and uh, they're here a little early. We've already put Ray to work, told her not. He's going to talk to us a few minutes and uh, tell them a little bit about what's going on with an ACB. So if we could have your all's attention. Thanks, Ray. Well, good, after good afternoon, y'all. <laughs> I bring you greetings from Chicago. I bring you greetings from Kim Charlson, the national president of ACB, also uh, uh, Eric Bridges, our executive director. Uh, just like to be real brief. I know this is kind of a fun night. like to uh, just kind of give you a little quickie update on some of the things that are going on with um, our national organization. One thing that um, has happened recently is that um, we have um, uh, the, the, there's uh, some new regulations come out to implement the Workforce Innovation and Opportunity Act. I think I got that right. WIOA. It's the new law regarding uh, rehabilitation. I know that uh, the ACB folks were doing some looking through that. There was. Uh, I know that uh, there will be. If they haven't gone out already, there will be some comments coming out. Uh, from ACB. So Tony Stevens, our Director of Governmental Affairs, is uh, working hard on that. As many of you know, and we saw a lot of you there, we just had a convention, in a conference and convention up in Minneapolis. That was very nice. Good week of, uh, of activity and, uh, and all of that. Uh, it was, uh, as usual, uh, quite a busy time at uh, convention, although it, we scheduled about five weather-dependent things and only got to do one of them. <laughs> Because that was a little, uh, uh, yeah, welcome to the Midwest, is right. I, I'm, I know all about that. I'm from Chicago. So we're, from, we're both from Chicago. So, Oh, the resolutions are posted from the convention. So if you go to acb.org, you can uh, see that. And by the way, the acb.org website recently has, they've implemented what's called a responsive theme. And I'm not going to get deep in the weeds on this, but essentially what that means is, Whatever device you're on, so let's say you're on your computer and then you want to go to your iPhone. Um, how many of you have ACB Link? Yes. yes. Uh, that doesn't sound like very many. Y'all need, y'all that you got your, your iPhones, y'all need to get that. That's a great app. Um, you can listen to ACB Radio on there, which I've done many a times on the train. You can uh, listen to, you can you know, find out if you... If you happen to move out of this area and you go somewhere else, you can find out there's an ACB affiliate in that area. You can uh, do that. download, just go to the App Store and type in on the search box, type in ACB space link. I think it's a space. Uh, yeah, I, I believe it is. So 
if it does, that doesn't work, try to stay CB linked. Yeah, I think it is a space, though. Um, last thing I'd mention, and I'm sure Carla will be talking with uh, your state affiliate uh, uh, quite a bit about this. We 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 are, we have a real problem in ACB. You know, our affiliates have an opportunity for some free publicity, and a lot of them haven't taken advantage of that, including my own state affiliate. I have, I'm sorry to say. I'm in Illinois. We're going to have to work on that. Um, well, actually, there's two things I want to talk about. Uh, th that. So uh, what's going to happen is that um, we're going to encourage, and I know Carla's already done some updating of the Kentucky page, and we're hoping more of the affiliates will really update their pages and really kind of promote themselves, tell them what they're doing. They get, every affiliate gets a page on the ACB website. That's free publicity. And the Public Relations Committee, chaired by a very capable person, Katie Frederick from Ohio, is um, going to help with that. So Maine has updated their page. And so hopefully more and more you'll see some really good things from the affiliates up there. And last but certainly not least, tonight is September 2nd. Two nights from tonight is to September 4th. Three months from this Sunday is the ACB Holiday Auction. And work and and, and, uh, and Carla doesn't really know anything about that, I'm sure, <laughs> but um, <laughs> um, but that'll be again on ACB Radio, and uh, so hopefully number one, you'll get some donations. Uh, I, I I loved the bourbon balls, by the way. I got them last year, and I enjoyed them. No, I did not eat all of them at once. Um, and um, but it's it, it it's it's a lot of it's going to be a lot of fun as it always is, and uh, so hopefully. Uh, You'll not only donate stuff, but if you do that, you'll know, hopefully be up there and bid, and uh, we'll get some uh, good, uh, good stuff, uh, good stuff going. I know they're working hard to get donations and um, and all of that. So I'm going to turn it over to my wife Karen for just a minute. Karen chairs the SASE uh, Sight and Sound Impaired uh, Committee, so she's going to talk a little bit about SASE committee, maybe kind of what it does, and maybe some of the uh, things that you know. Kind of example of some of the things that whatever she wants to talk about regarding the SASE committee. So uh, here's Karen. Thank you very much. SASE committee, as Ray said, does deal with issues uh, around people that have a combined vision and hearing loss. We do have a list, sir, that you, if you have an issue or you, or you support people that do. You can get on that listserv, sassy-subscribe at acblists.org. I moderate that list and I can approve subscriptions for that. Also, we do programming at convention. We do a social every uh, year. This past summer, we uh, did a program we had to scramble at the last minute because the person we uh, had ha wanted to have do the program could not because of a uh, family medical emergency. Those things know no good time. So we basically talked about how people dif deal with different things in their lives and it did evolve into a discussion of some technology. The year before we did a program on coping in social situations. And I'm trying to remember further back, we've done a program on support service provider services. 
I can connect. We've done a program on that. And maybe explain what I can connect is real briefly. That is the that is the program, and it just went permanent this past August. Uh, what that is is a program that allows people who are deafblind and low income to uh, get assessed for and receive communications related equipment and training on the use of that equipment. Each state has an entity that distributes uh, equipment in that state. I, I am sorry, I do not know offhand who who does that for Kentucky. Um, I know Helen Keller National Center and Perkins combined to uh, do a lot of states. They've got about 20 of them at least. I don't know if Kentucky's one of them. And we will be doing a program in uh, Reno, so anyone who would be interested in that, our committee is meeting and starting to talk about that. So stay tuned. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys. Page three. Dr. Craig Metter is president of the American Printing House for the Blind, and those of you who listen to Sound Prints will recall that he spoke to us last year at the 2015 Kentucky Council of the Blind Convention. He was just moving into that role as president at that time. And so today we have caught up with Craig and he's going to be uh, kind of bringing us up to date on APH and what's happening. Welcome, Craig. Welcome. Well, thank you. Thank you. Craig, tell us, um, tell, just give us a little uh, view about how your first almost year at APH as president has been going. Well, it's... Um it has been eye-opening and it has been uh, challenging at, at times, but all in a very good way. It has, uh, I originally, early, well, let me begin, a little past history. So I grew up in Ohio and Kansas, so came from the Midwest before I moved, made my way out to the West Coast and was out on the West Coast since 1975. And life moves at a very different pace on the West Coast than, than it does, per se, in Kentucky. And uh, it's not saying that things are done better. They're just done faster. So I think then you have more time to make more mistakes. But uh, it, uh, coming to Kentucky, now I've been here, my wife and I have been here since uh, a little over a year. It's been... Uh, a good reminder that there's time to stop and slow down and there is time to uh, process and the folks here at APH one of the things I really appreciate about them is they're very intentional as they move through whether it be a new project or whether it be an idea is people want time to mull things over and people want time to look at all angles before they invest their energy or their resources and I think that's probably one of the things that has, has kept APH uh, flourishing over the years is they're not quick to make mistakes. They're, they take their time, consider matters, they're well thought out in their, their processes, and then when they move forward, they usually have all their details laid out and, and they can use their resources very wisely. So the, that has been a good life lesson for me. 
and it's been easy to adjust to because uh, I don't have the the hurry scurry that I had in my previous position in Washington State of people needing an answer yesterday. But that has take, taken some getting used to, and I and I'm learning. I am learning, and I think I've avoided a lot of mistakes in my my first ten months as president of APH just because I've allowed people to slow me down. I've allowed people to uh, uh, encourage me to think through the process and give them time to think through processes as we look at changes here at APH. You're coming up to your first annual meeting as president of APH. You were here last year for the annual meeting in your previous position over in education. Uh, so uh, tell us how uh, how, how, I guess, how, what is a different approach uh, coming into annual meeting as president um, as opposed to, to being there as part of just one section of APH, one segment of APH? All right, this is a time where I pull back the curtain and reveal a little APH secret. There is a team of APH employees here uh, led by Dorinda Reif and and the advisory service team led by uh, Janie Bloom, who who probably do 99% of all the heavy lifting for annual meeting. And so... Um, and there's a lot of it to do. And there is a lot of it to do. But And Scott Bloom is part of that team, as well as Jane Thompson. But they just do an incredible job. They are such highly detailed people that they get, all, they get every I dotted, every T crossed, Nothing gets left to chance, and uh, it's amazing to watch them in action. It's kind of frightening to watch them in action, uh, but I'm so thankful for them because they're so good at that. And um, I learned early on in my career is that I am a, a broad-stroke person, so when I paint, it's uh, you, you give me a roller and let me paint. Um, I'm not the person you hand that fine detail brush to. So I, I need these highly detailed people in my life, and I've made a habit of being able to be surrounded by those folks. And um, and these is this is definitely a team that is so gifted at, at what they do. And and annual meeting is our big. I call it uh, uh, homecoming or, or coming to Christmas at Grandma's house, and where EOTs from all around the country are excited to come to annual meeting. For a couple reasons. One is they know that they're going to be well taken care of. Uh, number two is they're going to find out all, everything that's new that's going on at APH. But probably most importantly is they're coming to hang out with their colleagues and their friends. And it's the it's the big annual reunion of, uh, of folks and just time to be taken care of so that they can enjoy each other and and grow with each other so and all that's made possible by this team at APH that that pulls that all together so what will happen is I get to sit in on all the meetings and I, I give my my input but probably about this week I think on Thursday I'll be presented with this big thick notebook of here's all the things that are going to happen as they happen and then I will go through and highlight all my sections of when I need to be on stage and when I need to be in this room and when I need to be in that room. But it's, uh, it, truth be told is, is I think my burden is quite a bit lighter th than the burden they take on. <laughs> well, annual meeting, annual meeting certainly is one of the big events in the blind community nationally uh, every single year. And uh, not only 
from the standpoint of uh, educational products and uh, as they relate to the schools and so on, but also uh, products for adults. And of course, we would not, we, we just can't talk without uh, anticipating the Orbit Reader. I mean, that is just a tremendous new opportunity that Braille note taker, well, uh, we'll call it a Braille display, um, and the possibilities that that brings, uh, that's not going to be quite here for our annual meeting, right? We'll have some. Um, we'll have a number of them that people will be allowed to uh, check it out. Mm -hmm. But as far as for sale, we're expecting, uh, we're excited about it too. So oh, um, um, we're hoping towards the end of October we'll receive our first shipment and definitely by the first of the year we will have uh, should have product on on the shelf ready to sell um, we have a lot of we've heard a lot of interest in it and um, and I think uh, I think people are gonna be pleasantly surprised uh, this will be a uh, and it will it'll be a low-end note taker but uh, the refreshable Braille display uh, for under five hundred dollars, so it's yeah. uh, that's that's the thing we're most excited about is it's affordable technology, and um, and it's not just um, APH that's excited, but Canada and Australia, New Zealand and England, all the partners that uh, um, that were involved in the process of, of making this a reality. There customer base and their their consumer base is quite excited uh, internationally to get their hands on this device so uh, there's gonna be some I, I think some uh, give and take and definitely a tug of war over the first few shipments between the agencies but we'll make sure that that we get a representative number so that we can get this product out to to folks that want it well we certainly are looking forward to it coming out I I can tell you that I can't wait until it's available because it's like uh, one person uh, said one night at our roundabout, she, one person said, oh, I've got another note taker, but this one is just so cute and small. I just need one just to put have one carry around in my purse. <laughs> so, <laughs> they aren't, they're just going to be, it's going to open up a whole new world for people that, uh, that haven't been able to, to have that kind of access to Braille. And, you know, Craig, I think we're going to discover that there are a lot more people that are actually Braille readers out there than we thought, simply because now it's going to be available. It's going to be, it's going to be so much more affordable, and and usable by blind adults. Could you share with us maybe just some, I guess your your vision for uh, maybe APH as we're going forward, um, you know maybe. The, the kinds of things that we might expect coming up uh, in the next, you know, two, three, four years, whatever, from APH. Uh, I, I think people are always curious as as to well, what's APH doing. What what are they? Where where are they going to be heading? Are they going to be doing more technology, or what kinds of things are they looking for? And so, and maybe just what's going to be happening here too when people come to Louisville. They want to just come visit APH. And so I know they're going to see, you know, very different APH down the road. So if you could just share share with us wherever you want to take it, okay. um, you know, what, what we might look for in the future here at APH. Well, the future, that's such a, a, a big topic. Yes, it and, is. And <laughs> uh, 
it's put it a, in a nutshell. <laughs> I'll put it I'll put it in a nutshell. Yes, a flying car for everybody. Um, mm-hmm. Well, that's probably not going to happen. But the I mean, and we have no we have no hand in the autonomous car right now. But uh, <laughs> you know, that's exciting that that's coming as well. So I want one. You, you know, it, you know, I think I just read an article to, today that said by twenty. And I'm getting off. This is what I do best is rabbit trail. So here's my rabbit trail for this conversation. The article I read today said by twenty by 2025 more people would rely on car services or autonomous cars than than traditional cars which sounds like a lifetime away but that really isn't that far it's less than 10 years nine years from now and you know what's interesting in 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 that regard is that i saw a similar article about oh maybe six eight months ago that put that year at 2036 Mm. And think now, they're, if they're saying 2025, how fast that's moving. Isn't that amazing? It is. That is amazing. So amazing. when you think about that and you think about APH, um, I, could, I could promise a future. Uh, that seems to be the easy thing is to promise. Delivering on the promises is the challenge. So I'm going to start from where we are right now, some of the things we're working on, and then I'll expand out from there. Okay. Um, we... Uh, APH has been a, a solid organization, and that's my hope under my presidency, is that we'll continue to be a solid organization as far as promoting and producing products uh, for people who have, uh, who have vision loss. And uh, we do a great job of that with the K-12 population, or I, sh- I could even go say the 3 to 12 population, that uh, kindergarten through 12th grade type thing. But we realized that we've missed two very important sectors, and that is that that birth to five group of students. We've also missed the adult population. Um, We've looked at both those populations as more of, I I hate to use the word afterthought, but I'm going to go ahead and use that word. We have folks who are developing products but generally it's like, well, what do they need in schools and then can adults use them? And I think the Orbit Reader has probably uh, had some of that in mind, but I think it was mainly geared towards more of an adult population. And we're going to be looking more of that in the future as to what are the needs of adults uh, who are blind or visually impaired? What do, you, what do they need to be uh, to make life easier, to be more successful. Um, how can we do a better job of getting uh, products and services to adults? So we're going to have a very uh, strong focus on that. We're also then looking at w- some of those ideas that are, are currently in development. So that's kind of a. Um, a paradigm shift with some of our thoughts. We'll continue to do the school age things and do that very well and now we want to expand in these other areas. The other thing we're looking at too is um, some of the the products. Of course we're still pushing on with technology. We should have by next spring ready for field testing the the very first. um, There have been a number of companies that have been promising a full graphics uh, tablet and we have prototypes right now that we have been showing. We first announced that at uh, AER International in Jacksonville, Florida this past summer and allowed people to see that. And then we showed it uh, at World Blind Union this past summer in Orlando. We'll be showing that uh, what we call the graffiti. It's a graphic tablet. So it's digital. Um, it's right now the full, it's, we have a, 
a half-size tablet. Our goal is to get a full-size tablet. But basically, any image that comes up on a computer screen will then come up on this tablet, represented by pins uh, that have four different height positions. So you actually can uh, uh, see depth of a picture, as well as you, you get a real-time graphic image. So if you're working that, and the benefit of that is if you hook that up to Oh, the, the TI-84 talking calculator, which also produces graphs on its screen. Uh, that graph would then come up on the graffiti. And so a student would have real-time access to a graph that they created by plugging in a, a numerical equation. The other thing, if a student was reading in a book and there was a display, a table, um, a picture, then that image would come up on the graffiti. So we look at that and you say, okay, we're, we're this, and this is all prototype. Um, and it's, uh, it, you know, so there's a lot of room for improvement. And our, our goal in creating the graffiti, which was underwritten by the, the foundation at APH, the goal, I, I don't think any of us had the idea that we'd be able to pro mass produce these things and that everybody would have one. But our goal was more or less, can we be a disruptor to the technology community. Can we show them that this is possible and so that they will jump into the process and someone will create a better, faster, cheaper version of it. Mm -hmm. uh, that's kind of our goal. It's a very similar goal with the, the Orbit Reader. The goal was is can we create a, a refreshable Braille display for under $500? Mm -hmm. Because we knew if we could be successful, and when I say we, I'm talking about the whole 11-member consortia that did mm -hmm. that. But that, that team that got together decided that if they could prove to the world that it could be done, then hopefully all these other tech companies that have been producing wonderful products and fantastic products for years and years will say, okay, then we need to get in line too and we need to drop our prices or we need to find a way to produce our products um, along those same lines. And so that's what we're hoping with the graffiti tablet. But I envision a day, and this is when I, I put on my... my uh, uh, Oh, I, I start looking at my crystal, I get out the crystal ball and I uh, put on my genie hat and I start thinking about the future. If we can do this with the graffiti tablet where we're creating these, these real-time graphic display that, that happens simultaneously as that graphic comes up on the computer screen, then we're not too far away, and this is my belief, from having a full-page Braille display Think, think of a kind of a portfolio book, and when you open that book, there's just, it's not really a book, but it's basically a, a, a portfolio that on one side would be that full-page Braille display, and on the right side would be that graphic display. Mm. And then you're downloading your book to that device, and as you're reading that full-page Braille display, and oh. an image comes up, mm. you can see you your can, graphic is in on your the graphic, and it would have speech output. Mm. That's those are some of the thoughts we're thinking, and they're lofty thoughts. And the one thing we're we're very much aware of at APH is we can't do that by ourselves. We don't have the the manpower. We don't. Uh, we need those brilliant minds beyond it. We've got brilliant minds at APH, but we need those brilliant minds from beyond. So we've actually have made contact with uh, some. I, I call them uh, uh, garage savants. A, a couple gentlemen in uh, England that have created a. Uh, full-page Braille display, basically out of parts you'd get from a Home Depot. Um, 
And it is big and it is bulky and it is slow, but the brilliance is in the, the cost and the brilliance is in they figured out how to bring up that full page braille display. So now we've been talking with them, but there's also a number of other groups out there that are doing something similar. And I think this is where partnerships are gonna be so critical because we don't want to reinvent the wheel. If right. We want, want to take ideas that currently exist. We want to partner with those folks and say, you've worked hard on this. Let's give you full credit for that. Let's partner our idea with your idea, make the two compatible, and let's see if we can't bring something to market that's really going to benefit um, our consumers. So those are some of the things we're looking at. And then of course, we're, we're still working on the idea of indoor navigation, and all of us here at APH envision a day where any person could walk down the hall of any building or any conference center or any mall and get real-time feedback from their surroundings uh, as to their relative position where they are in a store or in a hallway. Um, and so those are some of the things that we, we've had a lot of discussion on. We're, we're working with the existing technology that's out there, but trying to find a way, can we make this easier to, to accomplish? And is there a way to do that? And those will pair nicely with some of the other products we've already done, like the Nearby Explorer, and we just released that for iOS, and that has been uh, well-received by the community, and uh, we've sold a number, a, a lot of those copies, way more than we ever thought we would in such <laughs> a short amount of time, which, which tells us that there's a need. So that's exciting, and it also confirms that we're on the, the right path of getting people what they need. You know, sales will do that for you. If you yes. got a good product, people will buy it. That's so right. that's, that's what we're trying to do. That's right. Well, Craig, we thank you so much for being with us today on Prince, and we hope that you will um, be a guest with us again and, uh, and share other things as, as, as things come along, as there's big changes, big announcements. We look forward to, to having you again as a guest. Thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome. It's my pleasure. Find books and more in accessible media with APH's free of charge Louis database. HTTP colon slash slash L-O-U-I-S dot A-P-H dot org. Locate accessible educational materials from nearly 200 different agencies. APH products and textbooks can also be located using Louis. New extended searching now available with free Louis Plus. Visit soon. HTTP colon slash slash L-O-U-I-S dot A-P-H dot org. Many book materials help Braille users jot notes quickly. Pull APH's mini-book Braille binder out of your pocket and begin to write on the mini-book slate in just seconds. Materials are sold separately so that you can choose the combination that's right for you. Call the American Printing House for the Blind, toll-free, 800-223-1839, or visit www.aph.org. Page 4. Okay, if I could have your attention, please. Hope everybody is having a good time. I'm glad everybody's here. And today we're going to do a, we're going to share recipes. Deb Lewis sort of had the idea for this. If, if you have something that, it, and it doesn't have to be anything big and fancy, the easier the better, um, because... None of us like to spend too long in the kitchen, I don't think. Would somebody like to begin? Also, I'm going to make some notes because um, 
we, uh, in the last week, in fact, yesterday, was it yesterday? Uh, the day before, the Middletown Lions Club has donated a Juliet Pro um, embosser to us, and it's going to be here. And on Friday afternoons, we'll be able to Braille things out. And I know everybody doesn't read Braille. That will be handy for those who do. And um, so I'm going to make some notes. And maybe we'll experiment and see if we can run out a recipe or two today. It'll run off our Braille notes. Turkey pot pie from Connie's Kitchen. One can cream of chicken soup. One cup chopped turkey, or chicken if you want to make a chicken pot pie. One and two-thirds cup frozen vegetables, mixed vegetables. One cup Bisquick baking mix. One half cup milk, one egg. In a nine inch pie pan, place turkey, vegetables, and soup. In a bowl, mix together Bisquick, milk, and egg. Spread on top of other ingredients in the pie pan. Bake at 400 degrees for 30 minutes. Okay. I would say probably makes about four nice ones. Four unless you're a little small eater. Yeah. <laughs> you know, two, to, two if you're Kindle, right? Kendall? I'll say four to six <laughs> servings. <laughs> if, you, if you're feeding children, you'll be able to get six servings out of it. No. No, it depends on the child. Yeah. yeah. Small children. If you're feeding teenagers, it serves one, right? <laughs> the next one I have is also, it's, it's a good fall thing if you're a person who likes to relax and watch uh, football or, you know, you're a football fan or maybe you want to relax and watch a movie on Sunday afternoon and munch on some chips. Well, this is a chili cheese dip. Does that sound better than the corned beef? Yes. <laughs> Chili cheese dip from Rival Crock-Pot Cookbook. And it's one pound lean ground beef, one pound processed American cheese, cut in small pieces. You can just tear it up. One can eight ounce or ten ounce uh, green chilies and tomatoes. Uh, Two teaspoons Worcestershire sauce. I call it W sauce. And a fourth teaspoon, or a half, I'm sorry, a half, half teaspoon of chili powder or to taste I put in there. Because I put more than half a teaspoon in there. I put about a, probably close to a tablespoon. Brown ground beef well and drain off the excess grease. Uh, put ground beef and all other ingredients in the crock pot. Imagine that. And stir well. Cook on high 
for one hour and stir a few times during that hour to make sure the cheese gets <coughs> melted all the way through and mixed in good. Then serve or turn to low for up to six hours. Serve with tortilla chips or corn chips. Um, I think scoops would be great for this. And you may double the recipe for a three and a half or five uh, quart crock pot. Oh, wow. Um, here's something I do, and I don't use a recipe. Okay, hang on, Dad. Let me give you a microphone. Now, where I come from, folks don't cook with a recipe. But this is simple enough that if you have too much water, it's not going to matter or whatever. Um, somebody asked about how to do this because folks, young folks don't know anything about cooking these. Um, and it's, uh, sometimes at food banks you'll get dry beans. And people just don't know what to do with them now. So, um, you can do it on top of the stove. I often do it in a crock pot. Um, and now with the cooking, cooking uh, liner things, it's easier to clean your crock pot. But whether you use one of those or not, put a couple of cups of those dry beans in the bottom of the crock pot. And um, if I have ham on, on, on hand, I'll you know, kind of cut up some ham pretty small. I don't have to use a chopper, but cut it up kind of small, bite size. And um, I'd say a cup of that maybe if you got it. If you don't have that, sometimes I've been known to even just put lunch meat in it. You know, cut up the lunch meat real small. Put lunch meat in there. Ham, of course. Um, so then you would add salt to taste. To, to um, And I cook these things all day long, so I fill the crock pot up about two-thirds to three-quarters of the way with water. And so it's going to be real soupy. But those beans are going to expand, and you'll be surprised how much you have when you're done. And if it's a big enough crock pot, I'll even put three cups of beans in the bottom. Um, so, let's see, is that all? Sometimes I cut up onions and put them in there. And sometimes I put them in at the beginning, and sometimes if I forget, I put them in after they've been cooking about three or four hours. So it's real versatile. You can do whatever you want with it. So um, basically, you just put them in there and turn this thing on high for an hour or two, and then turn it down to low. If you're not going to be home to watch it for the first couple hours, you're going to be gone all day long, say so you're leaving at 6.37 in the morning. You turn it on low, let it cook all day long. And when you come home, it's going to be real nice, tender, wonderful bean soup. Somebody said something about dessert, and I happen to have some dessert. Traditional pumpkin pie. Lots of spices? Lots of, well, your traditional spices. Um, one nine-inch unbaked pie shell, one 16-ounce can of pumpkin, one 14-ounce can of Eagle brand milk, two, two eggs, one teaspoon of cinnamon, a half teaspoon of ginger, a half teaspoon of nutmeg, a half teaspoon of salt, and the recipe is preheat oven to 425 in uh, in large mixing bowl. Combine all ingredients except for pie shell.
uh, mix well, pour into pour ingredients into prepared pie shell, bake 15 minutes at uh, 425 and reduce temperature to 350. Continue baking 35 to 40 minutes or until tester comes out clean. Okay, um, I'll, I'm going to tell you the real simple one. It's uh, chicken strips, crispy, crispy chicken strips. Take your chicken breasts and cut them in um, long, well not too long, about three inch strips, about a half inch or three quarters inch wide. And <clears throat> then you get a, one cup of flour and one cup of um, crushed cornflake crumbs in two different bowls. And then um, one egg, <coughs> whip it with uh, maybe a couple of teaspoons of water. And then you, um, in the flour, put about a teaspoon and a half of seasoning salt, or whatever kind of seasoning, oh, sorry, whatever kind of seasoning salt you want to put in there. And then you dip, dip the strips in the egg, then roll them in the flour, dip them back in the egg, roll them in the crumbs, and put them in the, um, a greased baking dish. Bake at 425 for about 20 minutes and then uh, turn them over and bake for another maybe 10. They're uh, real crispy and they're really good dipped in a sweet sour sauce. Charlotte has a recipe. Do we have time for Charlotte's recipe? Yeah. Yes. Okay, this is um, microwave fudge. All right, yeah. <laughs> okay, um, there's a microwave fudge. You, you use a whole pound of confectioner's sugar, um, one-fourth cup of milk, and um, one stick of butter. That's the pound. I mean the half, anyway, the half cup butter. And uh, you, you don't have to melt it or anything like that. You just put all of this in a microwave safe bowl and, <clears throat> well, if you, okay, if you want chocolate, you use one-fourth of a cup cocoa in with the confectioner sugar mixture. You cook it on high in the microwave, those ingredients. You cook it on high for four minutes. Um, <clears throat> Then after you, um, after it cooks in the microwave, you, um, you take it out and, and put uh, one teaspoon of vanilla and if, or if you want peanut butter and don't want chocolate or maybe both, um, you put uh, a heaping tablespoon of peanut butter in it after you know you, you take it out of the microwave and uh, then you put it on a on a plate and put it in the refrigerator and chill it for about an hour and you got you some candy thanks everybody for sharing and um, we this this is really fun every so often when we do these it's like we never get the same kind of the same recipe so it's it's very nice Page 5. The Soundprints Calendar. 
On September 28, the Bluegrass Council of the Blind will hold a peer support group meeting from noon to 2 p.m. at the Bluegrass Council office in Lexington, 1093 South Broadway. This will include lunch and a Skype presentation on the script talk by Charlotte Glass from Envision America. Members will have a chance to see a demonstration unit. Call the Bluegrass Council at 859-259-1834. On September 30 will be another GLCB roundabout at United Crescent Hill Ministries. Again, call 895-4598 to register. October events include the following. October 2, the Greater Louisville Council of the Blind will hold committee meetings. 7 p.m. will be advocacy, 8 p.m. education and technology, and 9 p.m. activities. All on the conference line at 605-475-6006, enter code 294444. On October 5, the KCB PR Membership Committee will meet on the same conference line at 8 p.m. Eastern. On October 6, the KSB Charitable Foundation Annual Charity Golf Scramble will be held at Covered Bridge Golf Club. Information, call 502-897-3990. Also on October 6, ACB Lions will have their next conference call meeting. This is open to blind lions around the country and is an opportunity to share ideas and ways to be involved in local clubs. The meeting is at 9 p.m. Eastern. Call 712-432-3900 and enter code 796096. On October 7 is a GLCB roundabout with education and technology from 3 to 5, discussion time 5 to 6, dinner 6 to 7, Games and crafts, 7 to 10. $5 per person for dinner. Call 502-895-4598 to register. On October 8, the Greater Louisville Council of the Blind will have its October board meeting at 11 a.m. by telephone at 605-475-6006. Code 294444. On October 8, KCB Next Generation will hold an in-person meeting and election. For more information, contact Amanda Selm at 502-750-1774. Plan to be with ACB families for our fun-filled Speak to Me call on Sunday, October 9 at 9 Eastern, 8 Central, and 6 Pacific. Each fall, ACB families invites everyone to participate in a conference call that is guaranteed to help with holiday shopping ideas. Denise Russell of Speak to Me will be with us on Sunday, October 9 at 9 p.m. Eastern Time to share all the latest talking gadgets for the upcoming season. The great thing about this call is that Denise actually demonstrates the products so you can hear exactly what they sound like before you buy. Dial 712-432-3900 and enter code 796096. On October 10, the KSB Advisory Board will hold a meeting at 11.30 a.m. at the Kentucky School for the Blind, 1867 Frankfurt Avenue in Louisville. For more information, call 502-897-1583. On October 11, the Support Alliance of the Visually Impaired, SAVVY, will hold its next meeting 
in Owensboro from 1 to 3 p.m. Central Time at the Wing Avenue Baptist Church, 628 Wing Avenue. For more information, call Rick Bogus at 270-684-4418. October 12 is the Bill Roby Track and Field Games. These are activities for visually impaired children ages 13 and under at the Kentucky School for the Blind in Louisville. For more information, call 502-897-1583. On October 13, White Cane Safety Day will be celebrated at 4th Street Live in Louisville from 11.30 a.m. to 1 p.m. On October 14, the GLCB Roundabout will be held from 3.30 to 10 p.m. at United Crescent Hill Ministries. On October 16, the KSB alumni will have its board meeting at 8 p.m. by conference call at 605-475-6006, enter code 294444. On October 17, the Kentucky Council of the Blind will have a board meeting at 8 p.m. on the same conference line. On October 21, is the next GLCB roundabout, 3.30 to 10 p.m. at United Crescent Hill Ministries. And on October 21 and 22 is the American Council of the Blind Fall Board Meeting in Reno, Nevada. Also on October 22 is the Halloween Masks Workshop from 10.30 a.m. to 12.30 p.m. Use tactile materials to make scary or friendly masks and headdresses. Registration is required. It's good for ages 6 and up at the APH Museum. Call 502-899-2213. And on October 28 is the Statewide Rehabilitation Council meeting at the Charles McDowell Center in Louisville from 9.30 a.m. to 2.30 p.m. For more information, contact Jennifer Wright at 502-564-4754. In November... On the 4th and 5th of November is the 2016 Family Conference sponsored by the Kentucky School for the Blind and Visually Impaired Preschool Services. It's on the KSB campus on Frankfort Avenue in Louisville. The limit is 50 families. Call 502-897-1583, extension 0204 for more information. November 11 and 12 is the KCB State Convention, including workshops, programs, exhibits, food, and friends, sponsored by the Kentucky Council of the Blind at the Ramada Inn North, 1041 Zorn Avenue in Louisville. Room rates are $80, and reservations can be made at this time by calling 502-897-5101. In December, the Greater Louisville Council of the Blind will have its Christmas party on Saturday, December 3. And on December 4 is the 5th Annual ACB Radio Holiday Auction from 7 to 11 p.m. on ACB Radio at www.acbradio.org. If you have questions about the Kentucky Council of the Blind or you need information on resources for people with vision loss, call us at 502-895-4598 or email us at kcb at kentucky-acb.org. 
Sound Prince is a production of the Kentucky Council of the Blind and is heard each week on ACB Radio Mainstream at acbradio.org, Central Kentucky Radio I at radioi.org, and the KCB website at www.kentucky-acb.org. Complete schedule information is also available on the website. Sound Prince is underwritten by the Louisville Downtown Lions Club and by the American Printing House for the Blind. This is Carla Rushable for Sound Prince. Have a great week, everybody.